Welcome to this festive Christmas edition of the Mindful News Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Guy, and joining me on this special edition is Nadine Pfeiffer, expert and founder of the self-confidence platform, Hopstair.com. I did my therapy, I did my mentoring, nothing really helped. And then I was fortunate to have a colleague who's a certified coach and she did a few sessions with me and I always call coaching like the accelerator of your mind. And really what that led was to really an acceleration of my own personal development, my confidence building journey and really defeating a lot of those self-limiting beliefs that I've held and really looking towards my strength, looking towards everything I bring to the world rather than what I'm lacking and realizing that certain courts I'm just not supposed to play in and that's fine. I hear that a lot of, of a lot of people, they would say, I'm the expert of myself. I know that I am that and that way. Sadly, what is really the case is they will, they will be able to describe at a very superficial level, I don't like this, I am scared of that, but never quite fully diving into the why and that what's actually under the surface. Why am I scared of this situation? And, you know, using every answer to ask another why, ask another why. Because practically the more you know about yourself and why you behave and think the way that you do, the more you have the tools to do something about it. Unconditional love is important rather than, you know, you get love based on performance, for example. So, a lot, you know, that's quite common in a lot of families, particularly in the Western world where, you know, there's a lot of pressure on kids to outdo their parents and achieve the miracles of this world, which, you know, might mean that they have successes in terms of medals and titles and degrees. But actually, it fundamentally erodes their own confidence because they don't feel like they are worthy without those external things. Nadine joins us to talk about the upcoming launch of her amazing self-confidence platform, Hopstair.com. This is currently undergoing user testing and will be out in early 2023. Nadine shares her insights into confidence and why this is such an important subject for her and why she has a strong drive to help others with this. We talk about the crossovers with mindfulness, Nadine's early years and upbringing in Germany, and how low confidence can affect all areas of your life. Nadine ends on what matters most to her and her outlook for next year. Also visit mindfulnews.uk for all of our podcasts, powerful video clips, and our growing library of free, inspiring guided meditations. Thank you so much. Nadine for for doing this. We spoke recently together about you know your role in helping people develop confidence. I thought it'd be a great idea to have a podcast conversation about it. So, so to kick things off, you're the founder of Hopstair.com, which is a self-confidence platform. And through your career, you've worked in the healthcare industry through the NHS. And you also do volunteer work with vulnerable young people and adults. So what are the some circumstances in your early years? that went into shaping who you became and, you know, you're wanting to help other people? Oh gosh, where do I start? So first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's a great pleasure. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting being on the other side because I sometimes ask this question to to others and, you know, always assume it's a straightforward answer. But okay, so long story short, I, I'm German by background, lived there for the first 18 years of my life. I've grown up in the old part of like in the well, the new states, so in eastern Germany, so very much the Soviet, the Soviet part of Germany. I was born just before the reunification, just just between the wall coming down and the reunification, which was about a year in between. So as much as I've kind of missed that Soviet period that really stayed with us for another 10, 15 years, and over time it's increasingly sort of westernized, there's still 
a clear cultural distinction between the two parts, but it's kind of, you know, starting to blend a little bit and uh, which, you know, is a subject for a different time. But certainly what that does is, is, you know, I think Eastern Germans, well, Germans generally were quite straightforward, quite direct. Grew up on, I've grown up on a farm in a rural rural area. When I was growing up, there was still lots going on. We had the animals. We had, you know, good cohesion within the village. You know, people helping themselves, helping each other out, like sort of what communist socialist culture stipulate as well. So it was really, really nice in that way. And I think it's a brilliant space for a kid to grow up. Certainly, I was in the fortunate generation that I was, I was growing up before mobile phones and the internet and you know, then obviously at some point around maybe when I was 12 to 16, we would start having the really noisy routers that connect or may not connect and are really expensive and really don't give you very much internet whatsoever. So anyway, what that meant for my childhood was that I grew up running through the cornfield, like being out and about, my parents not necessarily knowing where I was um, because mm-hmm. there was no such thing as a tracker. And yeah, that was just brilliant to, to kind of discover the world, I suppose. Um, yeah, and uh, I mean, fast forward, you know, we've moved around, although in a very small sort of radius around in Eastern Germany. Yeah, and then I went to travel. I don't know how much you, you want to hear about me, but just really short there. I then traveled, took two years out before I started to study at uni, went to Australia, went to Paris, then spent about four and a half years in Switzerland, did a master's in the UK, and now been in London for about six years. And I think helping people was always you know, ingrained in my blood somehow. I mean, we're, I'm fortunate to have amazing parents who've always been doing the extra 10 miles to help others out and be there for each other. And so in my studies, I've gone into um, the social sciences, you know, in healthcare and the NHS, I'm a senior manager. So people, behaviors, why people think the way they do is very much something I'm really, really interested in. And you know, we'll probably get to it in a moment, but I have my own sort of confidence story and sort of journey. Yeah. Which led me to do what I'm doing now. Yeah. So in that journey, why did you then decide to specialize in confidence? So, yeah, so I was, so I had all sorts of issues growing up as a teenager in my early, early adulthood. And I always attributed it to different things growing up with mild depression, anxiety, you know, I have a certain personality like we all do, but so I put a lot of issues that I had down to my personality and things that were wrong with me or things I didn't know yet or couldn't do or was limited in some sort of way. And yeah, so it was really until my late 20s, one could argue that I've done quite well, climbed the ladder within my day job quite quickly. And that's all nice, but that didn't mean that I was a confident person. And I did my therapy, did my mentoring, nothing really helped. And then I was fortunate to have a colleague who's certified coach and she did a few sessions with me and I always call coaching like the accelerator of your mind. And really what that led was to really an acceleration of my own personal development, my confidence building journey, and really defeating a lot of those self-limiting beliefs that I've held and really looking towards my strength, looking towards everything I bring to the world rather than what I'm lacking and realizing that certain courts I'm just not supposed to play in and that's fine. So yeah, so increasing and certainly what I realized and you know, confidence isn't built in a day. So that really started my journey in that space. And I can now say I'm a very confident person because of that initial um, coaching work that I've done there. And anyway, fast forward to now, where you know, I can say I'm a very confident person and all these issues that I've described that I've grown up with are practically gone. Even mild, mild depression, anxiety rarely surfaces. It's highly manageable. Mm-hmm. And I just realized that, hey, I've had all these 
theories as to why I was experiencing these things and never quite joined the dots. It was down to confidence and then mm. realizing, hey, this is a massive problem. A lot of people struggle with it and actually we don't really have a solution for it. Yeah, because it seems to be like it's almost a human condition to, to have a low confidence, right? That we all struggle in some way from that. So what are some of the biggest learning lessons for you over the years or some of the common themes that you notice you know, by, by having these conversations with people about confidence and the study and the mentorship that you, that you had through that? It's hard to summarize this really, but I think one thing that's really, really critical is that most people think that they know themselves really well. I hear that a lot of, of a lot of people, they would say, I'm the expert of myself. I know that I am that and that way. Sadly, what is really the case is they will, they will be able to describe at a very superficial level, I don't like this. I am scared of that, but never quite fully diving into the why and that what's actually under the surface. Why am I scared of this situation? And, you know, using every answer to ask another why, ask another why. Because practically the more you know about yourself and why you behave and think the way that you do, the more you have the tools to do something about it. So if all you know is this type of person is annoying and that's it, then you have no tool to do anything about it. All you know is this person is annoying, but you don't know why. You don't know why it triggers you that much. Once you understand your trigger, once you understand, maybe able to pinpoint something in the past, some other situation that have conditioned you that way, you don't have the tools to do anything about it. And so that's really where the key is. It's all about helping people to get to know themselves on a much deeper level. And that takes work and skill. It's not necessarily, you're not necessarily born with that and to, to be able to do that. And what you will discover along the way is a lot of situations, circumstances, people in your life that have made you feel a certain way, that have made you, yeah, like think and behave the way that you do now and or have in like, instilled in you beliefs about yourself that are not necessarily helpful, if not plain incorrect. <laughs> yeah, well, not true. Yeah, yeah. And so it's about breaking them down step by step. And a common example, just, just to, you know, cut a long story short, a common example is bullying. You know, many people experience it, sadly, particularly in high school. I was certainly bullied. Well, I was also a bully, which, you know, we can get into in, in another at another time. But what bullying does is that it instills a certain level of you're not good enough, you're deficient of something, you're stupid, you're whatever, you don't look good. And as much as we think we're growing out of it, it's like, haha, I was bullied and la la la. This stuff stays with you. It goes into your subconscious and it will affect, for example, if it's about your looks, it will stay with you. It'll make you cover up, makes you wear certain things. It might make you self-conscious as a woman about your cellulite on your legs or whatever, mm -hmm. whatever it is that you found embarrassing or were mocked about. So yes, it's really getting to understand yourself in that way to really find ways to then break through those self-limiting beliefs. So how does low confidence hold someone back then? Because I can imagine that in your business career or in you know, what you may want to achieve in life, the directions and the choices that you make could be very limiting with low confidence, right? Perhaps if you could speak on that. Yeah, absolutely. So, and it might help also if I sort of front load a bit of a sort of definition that how we define confidence. First of all, a lot of the societal perception of confidence tends to be something that's you can see, like, you, you know, the way someone comes across it. Someone, if we think of a confident person, we tend to think of someone who's charismatic, firm handshake, who has a certain aura mm -hmm. uh, when they walk through the door, who might talk very assertively. Certainly you can hear them in a meeting and so on and so forth. So, you know, that those are the common attributes regarding a confident person. 
in reality, those that stuff you can learn. It's a skill. Like you can learn how to do carpenting or painting a wall. Like it's stuff you can literally learn through practice. But it has nothing to do necessarily with what's going on in you know inside. I've seen many people climb the ladder, be very senior in whatever they do, and shockingly be shockingly low in terms of inner confidence. So confidence really is sort of a combination of believing in yourself profoundly, having love for yourself, and people often confuse that with a self-indulgent kind of way, which it isn't. Respect for yourself, knowing where boundaries are crossed and where you know you're not going down that route, and also that's inner resourcefulness. We call it self-efficacy. So being able to take whatever you've got right now, you're not going to know everything. You're never going to know everything, but take everything you've got and still achieve your goal, even if you feel that there's a, a huge gap. You can still bridge it. Take me, for example, I'm running a tech startup and I don't know how to code. I know very little about tech. That doesn't hold me back from building a tech company. So it's about being very resourceful in what you have got and being honest with yourself to pull other people in to achieve your goals, but not let any condition, any circumstance stop you from going after this. Because often people, it's either I can't do this, I'm not good enough, I don't know how to, or you know, sort of an inner dialogue of I'm not worthy. I'm not, you know, I'm not deserving of this success. Those are always mental barriers. And that's what confidence allows you to break through is those mental barriers. I see. So is it a case of just being out of your comfort zone? And if you, for example, you're not confident with public speaking, so that's your out of your comfort zone. So go get that in, just repeat it and do more of it. And then now you're familiar with it. It's no longer out of your comfort zone. And then you overcome it like that. Is, is that is that really how we can, whether we're lacking confidence in, you know, going up to strangers and talking with them or speak, public speaking, et cetera? Is it because we lack practice of it or is there, how would you respond to that? No, I, lo- I love this as an example. So definitely. So when I, as a big part of confidence building is sort of what I touched on before is that getting to know yourself, another aspect, and it kind of builds a lot into knowing yourself is exactly that. Making challenging things less challenging because low confidence is oftentimes about fear. Mm, yeah. To literally being scared to count on yourself, to uh, bet on yourself. You know, we have an easy time saying, oh, this person, he or she comes across as credible. I would bet on him or her to get the job done. How often would we say, I bet on myself that mm. I get this job done? And that's scary. That's really scary for many people is to, to do that. And exactly that. It's then about identifying those things that are challenging and just there's an interesting thing about comfort zone. You can go too far out. So it's finding that balance of going a little bit outside. And, you know, you gave really, really good examples. Talk to a stranger. You don't have to do that in depth. You don't need to be at a big conference of 500 people. Just find a friendly face that's already been smiling at you and just, you know, seek a quick conversation. Hey, um, love your hat. I hope you're having a good day. That could be, you don't even need to ask a question, but even just getting familiar with the sense of, hey, the world is actually safer than you think it is. It's actually really safe. He or she is not going to come chasing after you. They're actually probably going to compliment you back, give yeah. you an additional smile, make you somehow bouncy for the rest of the day. But actually, we were so caught up in how we think we come across that it stopped us from getting that experience. So venturing a little outside of, of our comfort zone, as you say, it widens that comfort zone and what we think is actually now easy peasy. And mm-hmm. those challenges become much like, more complex that we're now needing to tackle, but never venture too far out because actually that has the opposite effect and it will make you desperately scared. So if you've never talked about in front of a person or given a presentation, it's probably not the best idea to go to a conference and try and talk in front of thousands of people. You know, you want to <laughs> stage yeah. that a little bit. 
And is there something evolutionary that you ever dig into with some of your clients, perhaps about, you know, why is it that, you know, as a human species, we have that and how it actually may be something good and valuable for us to have this fear, you know, in a way is that perhaps protected us at some point. And, you know, that we can, and if we understand that, perhaps frame it in a way, ah, it's actually a good thing, even though it may feel scary and stuff. There's two aspects to that. And I love that too, because it's part of getting to know yourself and trying to think through how that affects you as a person. So on the one hand, of course, we've been hunters and getterers back in the day. You know, there were scary animals and all sorts of poisonous things. It could kill us any time of the day. All sorts of diseases, you know, people just going rogue. I mean, you know, sources of death were plentiful a long time ago. So obviously we needed to be careful. So we're naturally biologically wired to look at risk and, you know, threats of any sort and plan accordingly. So that's one thing. So that's innate to human nature. But there's another aspect that induces a lot of, there's counter to confidence. I've written a post the other day about how babies are actually some of the most confident species mm. of people on the, on the planet. Why? Look at a baby, right? They do whatever they like. And they talk to anyone. They explore freely. They're not scared of, you know, I mean, they might cry falling, but then they get back up and they try again. You know, they're not like, you know, adults being like, oh, damn, like, couldn't get that right first time. I'm just giving up. No, they keep going because they're curious. And so we lose that over our childhood, over our teenage years into adulthood. Why? Because, you know, there's societal rules. There's rules as to why we, how society can function, you know, don't spit at somebody. Why? Because that's not nice and that's not good. Don't do it. Mm. And that's a good rule. But there's also a lot of bad rules that are, you know, about, hey, you need to get married by 25 and then have kids mm -hmm. until you're 30 and then you need to have that job. like Social pressures, yeah. Who says that that's the right thing to live, right? Yeah. But those are the things we grow up with because it, it's comforting to create these rules and that creates a level of predictability for society. But what that does is take away your individual spirit and what you want to achieve for yourself, what's important for you, where your passion is, where your energy is, because that's where everything else naturally falls out of and that's how confidence is built. So as I'm raising my two children now. And <laughs> I, I feel that I'm, I want to raise them so that they grow up confidently, right? And I feel that providing a loving environment and encouraging them and letting them fail and try again. But, you know, perhaps are there any advice or tips, you know, for parents out there that want to do a good job, but maybe they didn't, they weren't brought up themselves with confident parents, or, or maybe they were, maybe a couple bits of advice of how we can help our children to, to grow up being confident. That's a really challenging question because I, I try and shy away from parenting advice. I'm not a parent. I have siblings and, you know, I've yeah. been around many, many babies, but yeah. I'm not a certified parenting expert. But I think what I would give, what I would say as a general advice, I think you're absolutely on the right track. I mean, you know, unconditional love is important rather than, you know, you get love based on performance, for example. So a lot, you know, there's quite common in a lot of families, particularly in the Western world, where, you know, there's a lot of pressure on kids to outdo their parents and achieve the miracles of this world, which, you know, might mean that they have successes in terms of medals and titles and degrees, but actually it fundamentally erodes their own confidence because they don't feel like they're worthy without those external things. Exactly, yeah. So unconditionally loving your child is really, really important. Giving them the attention. And again, that's eroding because if parents are on their phones a lot of times and that 
might seem insignificant if you just check your notifications, but it does take away from the attention that mm. your kid needs. It sort of undermines their attachment that they have. They don't feel like they're, you know, they have their undivided attention. You mentioned uh, letting them fail. Again, I see a lot of um, parents, and again, not a parenting expert, but um, I see a lot of, you know, parents being super shy, super cautious, overly cautious, you know, to make sure they prevent any sort of hurt or injury, like injury, of course, we don't want to get have our children hurt, but, you know, they hurt themselves, usually very innocently, you know, they might fall on their knees or whatever. And then immediately jumping to it and try and rescue them as if the world has just fallen apart. Whereas actually they're just discovering and, you know, pain is part of the process, you know, and that's how a critical part of getting used to pain, challenge, rejection. When a kid cries, you know, many people run first thing to them. And, you know, it's about finding that balance between, hey, you will find that rejection in your life, but also nurturing a strong attachment with your child at the same time. And you need to get the balance right. Yeah, that's what I would say. But again, I'm shying away from, you know, being that expert on parenting. I know. (laughs) Lovely to hear your, your feedback on that. This podcast is sponsored by Be Present Coaching, upskilling business professionals with mindfulness tools. Check out bepresent.uk for more information on corporate courses and guided mind exercises. So talk to me about hopstead.com. You know, you are the founder CEO. How did that come about? And, you know, what is it? If you can explain how's it going? Yeah, definitely. So what it is, is effectively, it's grown out of that recognition that when I've built my confidence, as I've described, realizing by the end of it, of course, it's an ongoing journey, but having built my confidence to a really good level, realizing that it affects so many people. We've done our own service within the company, but even if you look at official stats, it's anywhere between 60% and 90% in young people, 60% general population, 90% of young people, which is really shocking. Pair that against sort of a growing mental health crisis, and you just you just start to see the connection. And there's a lot of like noise in the mental health space. We need more therapy. We need more diagnostics. Let's cure the world's mental ill health. And that's nice. We need therapists, yes. Not least because we've let a problem become a problem that probably didn't need to be as big of a problem as it's turned out to be. But what can we do about prevention? And that's what confidence really does. Confidence is a huge protective factor for mental health. So say the world was fully confident we wouldn't see the levels of mental ill health that we're seeing right now. You know, because confident people are more optimistic, they're more resilient, they take better care of their health there. There's a great book and, you know, it's I'm literally just citing the, the book title, so I'm not trying to swear, but it's called, you know, A Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. And literally it's about confident people giving fewer fucks because, again, sorry, that's the end of swearing. But it's about the more you're confident, the more you will have identified your purpose, the more you're chasing after your own dreams, the more you're fulfilled, the happier you get, because suddenly there's the the Venn diagram is overlapping. It's no longer separate. And so therefore, all your energy goes towards where your energy is. And so your focus, you will be less distracted by, oh, this person has a new purse. This person went to this great vacation this person has this great new job it doesn't matter to you because you've got this purpose and so realizing that there wasn't a solution that's looking at the confidence but tons of stuff going into curing a pro- the problem once you've mm. let that go out of control so it's yeah so on the one hand it's about gathering everything that works in confidence building and making it accessible in a way yeah that it's cheap affordable but also fun because currently what do you do either you go to a therapist if you have access to it if you know what that is you might go to a coach but either way we find 
generally that 50% of people with a mental health issue, even mild issues like, you know, mild anxiety would not even go near a therapist. They are not either now or ever ready to see a therapist. And coaching is not as commonly known. Also, we don't have enough coaches, which is a different different conversation. So it's about making something that's really effective. Coaching is popular. It's effective. It really helps people, but it's poorly known and poorly accessible, really costly. Making that really accessible through our app and with a particular focus on confidence for the reasons I've described. And so, yeah, and effectively, therefore, capturing that big, large gray space of people who have some sort of challenge, may or may not recognize that it's very likely due to confidence, and I've spoken to tons of coaches, and, you know, that, yeah, that gray space, who, people who have that challenge don't want to see a professional, have, you know, would never see a professional or not yet seeing a professional, but it could even support people who are seeing a coach right now, because, you, you know, very few people can afford a coach 24-7, and you need to keep that momentum going. And that, that gray space of behavior change is huge. So it's really that kind of solution. You can pick it up as you like. It's going to encourage you, but it's also going to educate and raise awareness. And it's going to inspire you and really help you with that. You mentioned the comfort zone. You mentioned the self-awareness. That's all the elements that it's going to help you do, as well as give you the tools that you can apply in everyday life to make things that are challenging right now, not so challenging anymore. Yeah. And so is it an app? Is it a website? And you know, how, Sorry, can, people, yes. <laughs> how can people get, get to it if they want to engage and interact? Yeah, um, it's, it's a mobile app. We are currently, we're still sort of not in stealth mode because you can see us all over the internet, but we're certainly, we're not fully live yet. Um, yeah. We will, we, you know, we've been in development for, for quite a while. And that's really important because the last thing I want to do with Hopster is to clutter the market with another app that no one uses and right, is largely yeah. ineffective. It has plenty of those. So we've taken our time developing product one, which we've tested and had really good feedback on. So we're just building out the full product that will then launch privately and people can get on our wait list to help be the first pilot um, this second full product, so to speak. Yeah, or just follow us, of course, on our socials, whichever was convenient. Um, but yeah, we should be ready towards the end of the year. So would hope to see a lot of people there. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful. And we'll have all those socials in the bio if anyone wants to go check those out. Yeah, definitely. When you're talking about, you know, the, the evolutionary fears of, you know, is that a shadow or a tiger or, a, you know, a poisonous spider or something? And then, and a lot of what you're saying today, you know, I would use a lot of those explanations when talking about mindfulness and the benefits of mindfulness, right? Yeah. So it seems like there's a big crossover. So in the work that you do, is there, you know, how much of that, involves that mindset or training the mind in and you know are mindfulness techniques ever used yeah um so mindfulness and training i would say training the mind is a huge part of building your confidence because again it's all about identifying like really understanding yourself and retraining your brain like it, a lot of it is unlearning and relearning mm, right and so that's all about the mind and a big factor as well is what tends to give people setbacks is these acute issues or these acute situations where, oh my God, the world seems to just be, you know, in crisis for you right now. Everything mm -hmm. is falling apart. Um, you know, you just sit there crying your eyes out over something. And, you know, I do that. Everyone does it. It's fine. That's not an issue, but it's, it's about, it's about how do you, how do you get yourself out of these situations? Once you're a confident person, these things will still happen. You're still human. You still have emotions and everything, but you'll bounce back. Your bounceability is quick. But if you're low in confidence, these things can feel, 
detrimental. It just can set you back. It's like, oh, everything is lost. I'll never get there. It's because you don't, you're not that, you know, far along yet to, you know, be bouncing back. So mindfulness, for example, is an incredible tool. Personally, for confidence building, what is particularly effective in, you know, as we both know, in grounding yourself in the moment, you know, really being present. And what being present means is really to remind yourself of everything you've got, everything you've got going on for yourself. It's really easy to get into that spiral of, oh my God, I'm not good enough. And this person, that person, this job and that job, and, you know, everything seems important. But as soon as you focus yourself, say you're in a park and suddenly you hear the bird, you hear the tree, the leaves, you hear the little river going, whatever it is that is in your vicinity, in your surroundings, you suddenly realize, hey, all this stuff is so far away and Mm. I'm actually right here and I'm breathing and I'm experiencing this. And A, that, that grounds you in what's actually, what actually matters. But B, we both know it interrupts that spiral and that negative thinking because a brain can only focus on one thing at a time. And so it becomes this really powerful tool as you practice this to really, whether it's you focus on your breath, whether you listen to the leaves, whether whatever mindfulness is to you, you're the expert, not me. But I think certainly, you know, from what I understand about it and certainly practicing it myself, it becomes this really powerful tool to snap out of these situations. It becomes one tool in your toolbox, but a really powerful one. Yeah. And so I see you, you take a lot of, you do a lot of video uploading, like short clips where you give advice and you know, I'm following you on your LinkedIn page. Is that something that you enjoy doing? And, you know, is that something that you want to do more of? You know, the more that social media kind of video vlogging style? It's a fantastic question because I think my first video was super awkward. <laughs> um, I, I personally don't use social media. I mean, I go through it sometimes, you know, just check the memes or things like that because I like to be humored. <laughs> um, but I don't use it to, I, I'm never scrolling on Instagram. I don't have a personal Instagram. Um, I've actually only really started doing social media for the company about six months ago and grown the following and do all of this. And so I think, so the, the, the short answer to your question is, yes, I do enjoy it. I think it's really critical. I don't enjoy it because that's me on the video on someone's wall um for me it's about doing being true to my values and what we're really wanting to achieve here and that's about authenticity it's about making things real it's making things relatable and i recognize behavior change is incredibly complex there will be a lot 95 percent of the people who are interested in us will not even make themselves known why because even acknowledging that confidence is something you want to work on is really scary and embarrassing for many people it shouldn't be right, but that's right. the reality sadly so by me posting content that you know different a variety of things i mentioned i have um a confidence series so i'm also talking to people about their stories similar to how you've asked me about mine and mm-hmm. and just presenting different materials that aren't meant to say you ought to do this and you ought to think that here's a breadth of you know experience of stories of you know things to think about and at least one of those millions of bits of information from that will stick with just anyone and that's the point it's not about so it's not about you know me enjoying that I'm on a video on a, in a public space but it's about finding different ways to reach people and acknowledging that this is a scary process and it will take time for people to warm up to the idea to formulate how that can work for them, how they can be better or want to be better. 
And hopefully it doesn't have to even be through us. I've won if people realize that they can do something about how they're feeling right now. Whether they then feel we have the right solution for them is almost irrelevant. I just want to have made that impact at least on, at that level. And, and so, yeah, for that reason, I really enjoy it. So you said you're doing like a, a mini series where you're interviewing other people around confidence. So is that something that you've published already? Is that out now? Is that available? Is that something you're going to continue to do? Yeah, definitely. It's It's been amazing. I've talked to some amazing humans, including somebody who's only 25 years old. And given that I'm slightly older, I'm like, mm. oh, I wish I had been so confident as she mm. is now at that age. But yes, I've talked about 10, 10 people. So not quite the volume of, you know, the incredible people and numbers you've had on your podcast. But and it, it didn't start out as a podcast. I'm not even sure how to call it that right now. It's really just to have the conversation with people and learn about their journey again with with the intention of making confidence relatable, like removing it from its mysterious, vague way of how it tends to be used and make it something that you can grab into. It's like it becomes real. It's not just this theoretical construct. It's something that, you know, actually lives and breathes. And so, yes, definitely we'll want to continue. I haven't published it yet. It's currently with my editors and um, making it short and sweet rather than having people like, need to go through the whole 45 minutes, 60 minutes. So making it bite-sized for now and potentially publishing the whole thing eventually. But that should start within a week or two. And yeah, I'll definitely keep continuing it. Yeah. Well, if you ever want a mindfulness take on that, you know, I'd be, I'd be happy. Absolutely. To, I'd be happy to participate. I'm happy to switch roles and, and yeah, do the yeah. questioning. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so, so what, what is success? What does that look like to you? I love that question too, because it's interesting when you talk to investors, 11 out of 10 would want to hear from you that you make them a lot of money in a very short space of time. And that's normal. That's how the economy, that's how investment works. That's how venture capital works. But for me, I wouldn't have one if I'm, I can, I can make money. That's not the, the issue, but making money and actually helping people, it's the helping mm. people. That's the important part. And th there's no win in making money and not helping people. There's tons of existing things on the web including the social media that very, that effectively erodes people's confidence, they're making a lot of money. And one could argue that's a great success, but actually to what extent is it a success when it creates so many problems? So, so success to me is to see people that are growing in their confidence, that are believing in themselves, that you know, build out all these different subcomponents of confidence that I've described and that on the back of it feel more, yeah, feel more confident to be themselves, to be, to express who they really are, to chase their unique trajectories and journeys and carve out the life for themselves that they want to live, not society expects them to live. I want to see funky laughs. I want to see different shapes and sizes of bodies. I want to see different ways to dress. I want to see different ways of how uh, leadership looks like. I don't, you know, I want that, not just me, the world deserves that diversity. We need that diversity because the world is colorful. The world, world isn't black and white or gray and a slightly darker gray. Like we have, we, you know, we have all sorts of colors and we want to see them represented. And because that's where, that's where society can really make progress rather than continuing to, you know, to reward one type of person and one type of style. We ought to see all styles. And we just need to build people's confidence to live that out. Yeah. So, so on a scale of one to 10, how, how would you rate your happiness? Oh, 10. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm and a very happy person. 
Yeah, and the reason why I wouldn't ask that if I didn't think it was something high because I didn't want to have to put you on the spot. But I think just looking at, you know, the idea of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how, you know, obviously if you don't have shelter and food, then that's going to be an issue yeah. and that's going to be the main thing. But as you make your way up and, you know, the sense of, you know, purpose and contributing to your community and, you know, to helping others, the sense of, you know, that kind of sense of, you know, beyond yourself and contributing out wider gets more important you know the more of the basic stuff that, that you get so so 10 out of 10 very good to hear that and i would say on maslow it's an interesting thing and i think there's there's updated versions of maslow's pyramid as well um creeping up and i think it's still also quite interesting i find with maslow is around yes of course we need food we need shelter if we're living in the plain you know like exposed to the the weather outside with no shelter and we've not eaten in three days and probably don't feel very well. But at the same time, there is a minimum that's required and above and beyond, you know, it's the same with money. You know, I think we've now demystified the, the fact that you don't need more money to be happier. I think we, we, we all learned that at this point. So there is a basic that's required. Yes. But actually that, ba- that basis is much lower than we tend to think in the, when sometimes in the Western world where we tend to be quite spoiled and where we see much happier nations living off much less than we tend to have. Um, mm-hmm. So there's also that realization that we've pigeonholed ourselves a little bit in certain parts of the world into a very individualistically driven society. But I don't want to go down there because that's a big rabbit hole. But, you mm-hmm. know, just to say, I think we've we've lost a bit that sense of community and helping each other out and therefore venturing out and being exposed to all sorts of people which all of which can can contribute to our confidence and by focusing so so much on ourselves we tend to get you know into a space that's actually quite counterproductive for confidence building but sorry that was a bit you know a rabbit hole that we probably didn't want to go down no no (laughs) absolutely absolutely so what matters most to you in terms of in my values, for example. Yeah, I'll leave it open for, for you to, to address it how you want. But given your experience, your life, you know, your yeah. German upbringing and what you've achieved and where you aim to go, what matters most to you? I mean, I think probably unsurprisingly, what matters to me is making an impact and making people better. Not in a, I know what good looks like, but rather whatever good looks like for you, I want to support you in getting that out of you you know i want to make society better i want to make people happier and fulfilled and that's that's why building this business isn't it's very hard work but it doesn't feel like it and i know that's very corny and there tends to be these sayings you know if you do what you love you never work a day in your life but i can hands down say that's you know i'm luckily in that space so yeah making impact helping people helping them be the best versions of themselves but also of course being german it's about efficiency. So I'm not one that uh, reinvents the wheel. You know, I take what great things there already are and use that to create something new rather than, anyway, I'm not going to go too much into public sector working, but there is a lot of inefficiency there, which thankfully mm-hmm. I don't need to worry about in the startup world because you don't, you can't afford that sort of inefficiency. Yeah. Um, so it is, a, it is about sometimes and often it is the quick and dirty and you'll, you'll substantiate it later on. But initially it's about failing fast, failing forward, yeah. not waste too much time in your head or in spreadsheets and just getting getting it done. I am a doer and I do like, I do get motivated myself by getting things done and delivering, not delivering for the heck of it, but adding value. And so, yeah, so that's, that's really what inspires me. It's, it's that and 
yeah, that's what matters to me, I think. <laughs> Beautifully said. So can you just quickly remind um, our listeners one more time, you know, get in touch. And you mentioned earlier, you know, on your socials, you know, what are they? And, um, you know, how can people get in touch? Um, yeah, so we are represented on all sorts of social media, but the mo most active ones are certainly our LinkedIn, my personal profile, which we can share our company profile, a website. On the website, you can also register to our waitlist if you like. Um, you can, of course, get in touch with me directly. You can fill in the contact form and other social media is Instagram and TikTok. We are on Facebook and Twitter, but we don't really service it right now. So it's there. Um, As hopster. Hopster, yeah. Like I, yeah. I tend to pronounce it like hipster, but for hopster, if that makes yeah. sense. Even H -O -P -S -T -A -I -R. though H-O-P-S-T-A-I-R. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we are on all those social media with uh, my personal as well as my as well as the company profile. It's just that Twitter and Facebook we're sort of less worried about in terms of catering to it right now, rather than the other channels I've mentioned. Oh, and we have a newsletter. <laughs> I'm a newsletter. Okay. Well, make sure to send me those details so that I can. And if you had to. Um give a rough estimate estimation as to you know launch date ideally for you when are you thinking i'm very much hopeful to be out and about in january although people can if they want to get their hands on it earlier they can do and we will be doing lots of user testing and pilot work for sure, before yeah. that so yeah okay all right well thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your insights on on confidence like, i can see it's something that you're incredibly passionate about and I'm sure the, the listeners will really learn a lot from this. So um, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. And I can't wait to quiz you. <laughs> yeah, yes, me too. Me too. Thanks for making it this far and showing your support and love to the podcast. A big thanks again to Be Present Coaching for their support. Find out more about their masterclass mindfulness courses and free guided meditations at bepresent.uk bepresent.uk I'm your host Guy and this is the Mindful News Podcast If you've taken away something from today's episode please go ahead and share the link with a friend Until next week <laughs>